Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast where we break down some of the main news headlines in the financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of foreign exchange. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBrew, and I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Market Analyst Roman Zaruk. So this podcast is all about the foreign exchange market. We aim to take a look at some of the main news stories in FX, discuss them, and give our view on what they might mean for currencies going forward. On today's episode, we're going to be focused on the Chinese Yuan, and we're delighted to be joined by Isabel Yi, Ibris Director of China Initiatives. Isabel will be talking about the recent steps being made towards internationalizing CMY, also known as the Renminbi, and how the currency is becoming increasingly more important in global FX transactions. We'll also be discussing how China and its economy has reacted to the COVID-19 pandemic and how we expect CMY to perform in 2021. So today's episode is going to be all about the Chinese yuan, also known as uh, renminbi or RMB for short. China's currency has been very much in the spotlight in the past 12 months or so. The yuan came under heavy selling pressure during the initial outbreak of the COVID-19 virus at the beginning of 2020. Since then, CMY has bounced back sharply and was actually one of the best performing emerging market currencies in the world last year. It's now trading at around 8% higher versus the US dollar and its strongest position since June 2018. Now, part of this outperformance can be attributed to the efforts of authorities to suppress virus cases and open up the Chinese economy, which we'll talk about a bit later. But we're also beginning to see a bit of a shift in investors' view towards CMY, which is now being perceived in many respects, as closer in resemblance to a major rather than an emerging market currency. This has a lot to do with efforts of Chinese authorities to internationalize RMB, whereby it's becoming used increasingly more so in global FX transactions. And we're very lucky to have Isabel on the podcast today, who can shed a little bit more light on their renminbi. Um, so welcome to the podcast, and thanks for, for joining Isabel. My first question to you, what are the latest developments we're seeing in these internationalization efforts and what are the current trends that we're witnessing in that regard? So thanks a lot for inviting me today. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here and share a bit my thoughts on this. So regarding this um, question, Matt, I would say um, let's start with going back on our journey on the time. And um, it all really started back in 2010 when um, the CN8, which is the offshore RMB, was first uh, released in Hong Kong. So after that, we saw how in 2015, uh, China rolled out the cross-border uh, payment clearing system called CIPS, which is also currently uh, the main leading payment clearing that is used in China. And it's also what Ibri uses to help uh, pay RMB for their clients to China. And um, after that, one of the major inflection points, I would say it's in October 2016, when RMB became part of the basket of currencies of uh, the International Monetary Fund, along with other four major currencies, which are the Euro, USD, the Sterling Pound, and the Japanese Yen. So um, throughout all these years, we have also seen how the Chinese authorities have been trying to push more on the internationalization of the RMB. And as, as a consequence, we're seeing more and more companies here in the West that are transacting directly in RMB with their counterparties in China. 
So um, one of the latest uh, highlights that I want to make from the re regulatory's view, it's um, the recent notice that was issued by the Chinese regulator at the end of last year, uh, which was a guideline to simplify the settlement of cross-border RMB and to make it easier for suppliers in China to receive RMB directly from offshore. And how about um, periods of heightened volatility in the RMB? Of course, last few years we've seen the, the PBOC take a slightly more hands-off approach to the currency and letting it float slightly more freely. What impact is this volatility having on the prices given by Chinese suppliers? So um, what we have seen is that uh, traditionally, most of the cross-border trades with China have been settled in USD. Also, because uh, RMB used to be packed into the Chinese yuan. But uh, since the RMB became part of uh, the basket of currencies of the IMF, which I just mentioned, um, the Chinese yuan became packed not to the USD, but to the basket of currencies. And then we started seeing more and more volatility versus the USD. So this actually had quite a big impact on the suppliers in China, because uh, for them traditionally, they have been used to seeing not much volatility on the dollar RMB exchange rate. And also something that uh, we need to explain is um, the financial system in China, right? So it is much more closed and then not as developed as in the West. And for suppliers in China, especially if they are smaller companies, it's not the easiest to get hedging from their banks. So for the companies that are a bit bigger and they can actually get a hedging, this actually consumes the credit line that they have with the bank. So that means that if they choose to hedge with their bank, they won't be able to borrow money from the bank, which is like uh, one of the key things for the suppliers in China, the liquidity. Therefore, uh, what we've seen is that there has been not really a consistent like um or any hedging strategy for the suppliers in terms of protecting themselves against the risk of a dollar RMB exchange rate. Therefore, when uh, the RMB moves uh, quite a lot, then um, the only way that they have pretty much is to increase the prices for their clients. Um, normally what we've seen, how the suppliers set their prices is that at the beginning of the year, they will normally set up a budget rate, which is what they would use to convert their RMB-based prices into USD. So for the last two, three years, this budget rate has been around 6.8, based on uh, what the suppliers have been telling us. This is because um, before this big drop in the dollar RMB exchange rate last year, the dollar RMB was actually trading pretty much consistently above 6.8. So therefore, the suppliers were actually getting uh, some buffer from setting their budget rate at 6.8. But what happened last year, starting September, when uh, the RMB started increasingly appreciating against USD? So basically, the suppliers saw that they not only lost the buffer that they used to have, thanks to um, the uh, well a favorable exchange rate, but also the raw material costs were increasing. So they were getting double hit. So that's why um, we have seen a lot of suppliers increasing prices for our clients started the last quarter of uh, 2020. So this is why we all were also seeing that more and more clients are moving towards paying directly in 
the RMB to suppliers so that they could avoid increases in prices because of the heat of the negative exchange rate. Excellent. And from the suppliers' point of view, are we, are we seeing these suppliers in China becoming more open to receiving uh, funds in their local currency? So um, right now, because of um, the exchange rate going against them, we have seen more and more openness on the supplier side to receive RMB. Also, because of um, the policies that the Chinese regulators have been releasing to make the whole process easier for the suppliers. Uh, previously, some of um, the common issues that we would get from the suppliers when receiving directly in RMB, first was uh, uh, worries about like uh, their tax refund, whether uh, they would lose their rebate if they started exporting in their local currencies versus foreign currency. And um, also suppliers complaining that um, because it requires then more paperwork with their bank if they started uh, receiving RMB. And a lot of times it's also because they have been very used to their current modus operandi of uh, receiving in USD. So for them, it's um, a change. That's why like uh, from every side, uh, we have a team of uh, China specialists that have been assisting our clients to communicate with the suppliers regarding uh, the process to start receiving in RMB, why this is something that makes sense for both parties. And also we help them clarify on major concerns that um, they could have, such as the ones that I just uh, mentioned, so that it is easier for them to receive directly in their, for, in their local currency, RMB, and also that both uh, buyers in the West and uh, Chinese suppliers can have a win-win situation and uh, don't have to struggle because of the additional volatility created uh, by the USD. Because at the end of the day, even if the client pays USD to the Chinese suppliers, we know that the Chinese suppliers will always have to convert the USD back into RMB. So for the buyers in the West, there will always be an underlying risk to um, the RMB. That's why um, it makes sense for both parties to pay in RMB. And especially now that we see the suppliers are becoming more and more open to this trend. And a lot of them are even proactively going back to their clients and asking whether they could receive directly RMB. Okay, excellent, perfect. I, th I think we're going to move on now and bring, bring in Enrique and Raymond to the discussion as well, but, but keep the focus very much on China and CMY. I'd like to focus on the firstly the latest impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on both Chinese economy uh, and CMY. Uh, firstly, China's economy, which has formed very resiliently since the peak of the crisis. China's actually posted positive growth uh, of 2.3% in 2020. While this was the slowest pace since the 1970s, it is notable given that most economies around the world suffered from very sharp contractions. So we'll start with you, uh, Enrique. What do you think has driven this outperformance in China's economy? And what are your, your general thoughts on how China's economy has performed during the pandemic period? I, I think that uh, that clearly the early reaction, the early lockdowns, and the uh, the ability to mobilize resources and uh, restrict mobility and impose uh, quarantine on, on this population has helped them dramatically. Uh, in this case, that uh, the the higher degree of control over 
um, over uh, the, the population has has served them very well in this particular case. Um, the uh, the authorities uh, decreed some pretty pretty harsh lockdowns initially, some very strong restrictions to travel in and out of the country. Um, and you know, we've all read the stories about how strict and serious the quarantine requirements are, how people are put up in hotels, temperatures checked daily. Um, it's this. I don't think there's much more of a secret than that. They they beat the disease early on, uh, and they were able to reopen uh, while the, most of the West is still struggle with the pandemic. And on uh, CMY itself, which, as I mentioned, uh, it has been one of the best performing emerging market currencies in the world in the past sort of year or so, and now trading below the six point five uh, level versus the US dollar. And what, what do you all attribute to this, this strong rally that we're seeing in the currency? Is this simply to do with China's handling of the virus and its economic outperformance, or, or are there other factors that are driving CMY strengths as well? Well, in, in part, yes. But I also I think that what we're seeing is the beginning of the of uh, of that much long-awaited internationalization of the of the renminbi. Um, I think that as China. Uh, China, Chinese trade uh, becomes more and more important uh, worldwide. Uh, more and more of uh, trade invoices are going to be denominated in, in yuan, and that means that the yuan is becoming both uh, a means of exchange and uh, a store of value. Uh, one figure that I think is key here is that less than 2% of the hard currency reserves worldwide uh, are denominated in yuan. And given the importance of, uh, of China in, in trade flows, that, that's a very low figure and it can only go up. Um, I think that uh, even more meaningful than the, the good performance of the yuan since the, the pandemic is the fact that um, Chinese authorities have not had to intervene to prop up the yuan in any significant way, even at the worst of the pandemic, meaning that uh, this is a natural movement and is is driven by increasing interest. I think in in holding Chinese currency as a store of value. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the yuan, I would also uh, add the fact that uh, the political changes in the U.S. Uh, has also contributed to uh, the yuan being perceived uh, more positively. Uh, I mean, with Biden administration, uh, both we have a higher chance of a uh, impressive fiscal stimuli in the U.S., which will uh, trickle down to world economy, which is also positive for China. And on the other hand, uh, there is a chance that the moves of the administration will be more predictable than and, uh, what we had with the uh, Trump administration. So this is also another positive. And potentially there could be some room for uh, for an uh, improved dialogue with China in regards to trade war. Uh, also, we have to uh, note the fact that uh, the dollar was a very weak currency in 2020. So a part of uh, the yuan's uh, outperformers, uh, outperformance against the US dollar had to do with the US currency weakness. Uh, probably a quick question to you, Isabel. Do you think that the, the recent internationalization efforts that you talked about earlier with CMY, do you think that perhaps could be driving some of this uh, strength in CMY? Yeah, definitely. And also, as part of the internationalization of um, the yuan, we're actually seeing more and more openness as well, in general, from um, the Chinese government, uh, in terms of opening up more sectors to foreign investment and all that. So actually, I want to mention as well, 
um, the recent Euro investment, um, Euro-China investment deal, which um, finally the negotiations were closed at the end of December. So I think um, all these movements from like uh, China's perspective are also going to promote you like um, further having the RMB to be used more internationally. And also what um, another fact, right, that we've seen. So right now, the RMB is around the fifth in terms of um, global payment currency. But according to the forecast, uh, in less than 10 years, it's probably that uh, it will become the third largest currency used for uh, global payments. Uh, Lastly, I think it's certainly worth touching um, on something that we've said for a number of weeks now is probably going to be one of the main drivers um, in the currency markets this year. And that's uh, the effort being made toward, towards mass COVID vaccinations among um, developed nations and some of the emerging market countries as well. Uh, we've seen relatively slow progress in China so far, um, but still progress nonetheless. Uh, around about two doses per 100 people have been administered um, so far in China. Um, so what do you guys think um, of this vaccine rollout? How do you think that the rollout around the world and in China is going to affect CMI? Or do you think it's going to have an impact at all? Uh, I think that we are going to have uh, two effects when it comes to global pandemic, two effects uh, on the uh, Chinese currency. So one, if we are going to have a decreased in perceived risk, this is going to be positive for the emerging market currencies overall. And the Chinese yuan is still an emerging market currency, so it should be positive for it. Uh, on the other hand, uh, this situation will likely lead to a narrowing of the difference uh, between the performance of the Chinese economy versus the world economy, and uh, especially the major economies. So this, on the other hand, will be negative for, for yuan. So we are going to have those two effects. Uh, and generally, we still think that the yuan is going to perform uh, relatively well in, uh, 20, in 2021 and 2022. Uh, one, because uh, the other major, uh, well, the United, United States dollar uh, is, uh, according to us, going to uh, weaken. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, because uh, this, uh, both the interna internationalization of the yuan and a uh, decrease in perceived risk should, uh, should support the Chinese currency in going forward. I agree. I think that uh, our outlook on the on the yuan is very positive long term because uh, we we think that what we what we have seen in the last uh, couple of years is a realignment of international currencies that is in a way similar to what happened when the the uh, U.S. dollar became a competitor to the pound sterling as an international uh, currency store of value reserve currency etc. Back in the 1920s, and this is a, a very, a very long journal process, and it's not going to happen overnight. But uh, the, just like uh, the dollar entered uh, in, in the 1920s, a uh, long period of uh, steady appreciation against sterling, we expect the yuan, which is currently uh, cheap by most purchasing power parity, by, by you know, a sense of uh, the, the basket of goods it can buy in China. Uh, is, is clearly the value. We expect the yuan to continue to, to, uh, to go through a similar trend uh, over the long term. And that just about does it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the currency markets, visit Ebury's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear more on 
during upcoming podcasts. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a week's time. Thank you all very much for listening.